No, really good to be here. Uh, Cheryl and I uh, are somewhat frequent mem uh, attenders of, of New Life Wichita when I, I spend a lot of my weekends at, at various churches. And, um, and it's always fun to be part of this church. We live in El Dorado for the last 20 years. We planted a church there. And, uh, and so we know what it's like to be uh, called to start a new ministry and to be part of um, this kind of a, a, a work. And love your mission, love your people. Um, church planting is always even more exciting during the summer months, right? And uh, you get to have new opportunities, but also a lot of uncertainties. And so uh, we pray for you. Uh, as, as we go forward. Like I said, my wife Cheryl's with me. Uh, Cheryl and I have been married last year. We celebrated 43 years together. And um, yeah, a little bit hard to believe uh, since we're still both, you know, in our 30s and things. But it's, we do have three grown children who are all uh, actually uh, 30, 30s and beyond. So uh, God has been gracious to us. Uh, our, our 10th grandchild was born just a couple of months ago. And, um, and, and we are so blessed to, um, to be able to celebrate God's goodness, um, you know, and provisions through our families. Uh, occasionally, when Cheryl and I are at a table, it's very seldom that all of us are sitting around a table together, but every now and then, you know, once or twice a year, we're all together, and, um, and we'll be just sitting there looking at all these people, and I'll turn to Cheryl and say, where did all these people come from? It's like... Uh, you know, if you're a grandparent, you, you kind of understand that it seems like we were just, you know, newlyweds not that long ago, but all of a sudden it's like, wow, life changes things. Um, thank you for the kingdom presence that you are making here in Wichita and beyond through the ministry of New Life. Uh, it, is, it is amazing to see how God continues to make disciples and I love the uh, community that you have together. Uh, it's been fun to get to know some of your leaders and, and some of you uh, at, here over the last number of years. Uh, I want to just say I am so grateful because your ministry extends beyond the walls of new life. Um, and uh, one of your, your long-term members, uh, Jerry, is actually the treasurer of the Midwest Conference of the Covenant Church. And I just want to say thank you, Jerry, and thank you, New Life, for serving the larger church in this way. It's really, really actually significant. And um, so, Jerry, so grateful for you and for what you bring to our, our church family. Um, and then David, even wearing his equip shirt this morning, I'm so proud. This is awesome. So um, David Gonzalez is in our, our uh, Midwest Conference Seminary by Extension cohort, which um, is really aimed at equipping young leaders for the future of the church. And the church is continuing to be God's plan A for um, redeeming and restoring a broken creation. And, uh, and David is such a great example of somebody who's called and gifted for ministry and is, is preparing. So this is, uh, we have actually two cohorts in, in our conference. And uh, these are all the students in those two cohorts who happened to join for lunch in Florida in, in January when we were um, at a conference. And uh, I was going to circle you, David, but, but they'll find you. But uh, such a great group of people. And 
the stories that are, are uh, part of this kind of a room of people are, are quite amazing. So uh, I love my family. I love the church. For the last uh, 37 years or so, um, Cheryl and I have been able to serve established churches and then also to start new churches um, in California and Minnesota and here in Kansas. And just recently, as David mentioned, I've, I've been given the opportunity to serve the churches, the 95 churches of the Midwest Conference as, as superintendent, which is a little bit mind-warping for me. It's not something I really was pursuing, but here we are, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to lead in this way. Um, and doing that is, has allowed me to meet some interesting people over the last number of years. I've traveled to our churches as director of church planting, and I've met all these interesting people like Mary, who is uh, a woman in one of our churches in, in Iowa. Now, Mary and her husband are really an interesting couple. They're, um, you know, probably our age, a little older, and they seem to run into celebrities wherever they travel. They're very adventurous. They love the desert southwest like Cheryl and I do. And so on a recent trip to uh, some remote place in, in the southwest of the U.S., Mary runs into a guy, Mary and, and uh, her husband run into a guy, and it just happens to be Harrison Ford. Now, I think, you know, we've traveled a lot of remote places and have never run into anybody, anybody that we know. Certainly not anybody with the stature and recognition of Harrison Ford. And so I thought, well, that's just kind of a one-off thing. But then, of course, no. Uh, she also runs into people like uh, our, our president. And, uh, and I, I, I started to think, I wonder, if, is this like a one-off thing just to, with people in Iowa? Or is, are people in, in other churches connected to some of these uh, higher-profile people as well, and so I started asking people when I'm at churches. I said, "So, do you know any celebrities, or have you have, have you met any celebrities?" And and here is a photo of one of our worship leaders with Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac, and uh, she, she's a, a worship leader in Colorado. And then, and she has another one, I think, with Danny Glover. And I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. What are what is it with some of these people? And and like, I don't have these connections. Um, one of, our, one of our couples uh, has, a, has a photo with our former president, vice president, uh, Mike Pence. And then there's youth pastors. Youth pastors run in a different crowd. And so this youth pastor, um, any of you remember him? Yeah, so how many remember Mr. T? Okay, I was in a church not too long ago where, like, nobody remembered Mr. T except the old people. So uh, consider yourself well-informed. Um, yeah, Mr. T. So this is great. Okay, now here's my, here's my question for you. Any of you got some great connections? Uh, I'm not going to be able to do this for those of you who are, who are worshiping online, but uh, for those in the crowd here, and there's a number of you here, any, any really great connections that you've had with a celebrity or a star? Anybody have a photo that you would share? Who is it? Who's it with? Can you just yell out? Harry Chapin. See, the list continues. Anyone else? I mean, I had people shout out Jack Nicholson. Raven Simone. Yeah. See, it just keeps going. And you just think uh, there's all these connections that people have. Um, now, Cheryl and I don't run in celebrity circles. But I have to tell you, there is one photo that 
I'm pretty proud of with a, with a star, and it happened not far from here. Cheryl and I, this was several years ago, we had gone out for um, lunch at Jason's Deli, you know, when it was still over in uh, Bradley Fair uh, on Rock Road, and, uh, and I was sitting there, and Cheryl, all of a sudden, her eyes perk up because somebody had walked through the door and taken a seat behind us, um, and it was Kirstie Alley. And, um, you know, she's from Wichita and uh, sad that she had passed away last year, but, but Cheryl was bound and determined to capture this moment on camera, right? So um, here she is. She secretly pulls out her cell phone and captures this weird photo of me having lunch with Kirstie Alley. So I've got one on the screen now. I've got my celebrity photo. Celebrities intrigue us. Earlier this year, um, Cheryl and I were um, scrolling Netflix for something to watch at night, you know, and we ended up watching some of Seinfeld's um, comedians in cars getting coffee. Any of you watch this show, you know? Actually, it's pretty fun. You know, the premise is very simple. Jerry Seinfeld picks up a guest, and they drive to a diner where they have coffee and talk. It's like, who would make a show of this? It's like, if I did that, nobody would watch it. But we watch it because these are stars. These are people who, because of their popularity, have some interest and, uh, and it doesn't hurt that they may be driving a million-dollar BMW 507 or a 49 Porsche or something like that. But stars enjoy certain privilege. And, you know, there are certain perks, there's certain power that go with stardom. And so I guess it should not surprise us that we are intrigued with stardom at some level ourselves, right? At some level, we are intrigued with stardom. Uh, Thirty years ago, a friend of mine and I, we were just starting out in ministry, and we were in Chicago returning from a conference, and uh, we were waiting for our flight at O'Hare Airport. And my friend and I were talking, and he was pretty excited because he had just been encouraged by a superintendent at the meeting who said, you know, you ought to consider planting a new church. You could be a church planter. And he was even more excited, my friend was even more excited because this superintendent had referred to him as a rising star in the denomination. And I remember that 30 years later. I remember that conversation very vividly because it's the first time I'd ever heard of a Christian refer to another Christ follower as a rising star. And it didn't sit right with me. Theologically, it didn't sit right with me. And I was also jealous because he didn't refer to me as a rising star, you know? I mean, uh, but ever since then, my ears have perked up whenever Christians use this type of language. And it happens. A couple years ago, I was at a training. Uh, it was at the same place, David, up in Minnesota, where, where we do, do a lot of, did a lot of our church planner training. And a good friend of mine was leading a, a, a section of this training for a group of church planters. She's a very good speaker and a and, and has a very winsome personality. And when she finished her section of the training, two of my colleagues leaned over to each other and said, she's a rock star. Our scripture today is from Philippians chapter 2, and it has some things to say about star quality. Let's listen to uh, the text. Philippians 2, beginning at verse 14. 
the Apostle Paul writes, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. In which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. I love this scripture. I've always been drawn to it. I've preached on it numerous times over the many years of ministry that we've had. But recently, it has taken on some new contours over the last two, three years as I've reflected on it. You know, I've always been aware, as many of you have, that we live in a broken world, right? I mean, not everything is as God designed it uh, to be. Uh, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of things that are not right. Uh, but in the last several years, it seems like the world has gone into a tailspin and that everything's on fire at times, right? It just seems like there's so much that has, has come to a head uh, all at once. Uh, and, and this was true before the pandemic. Um, but during the pandemic, all of these things sort of rose to a new level. And, uh, you know, whether it's politics or social issues, suddenly we found ourselves fragmenting and fracturing uh, around all kinds of different ways, you know, all kinds of different fracture lines, whether it's racial issues or guns or immigration or the Supreme Court, human sexuality, whatever it is, we found a way to fracture and to fight about it. Um, in his book, The Great Divorce, any of you C.S. Lewis fans in the room here? Uh, yeah, a couple of them. Uh, if you haven't read The Great Divorce, I'd encourage you to pick a copy up this summer and um, immerse yourself in an interesting book. Uh, in this book, C.S. Lewis paints a vivid picture of what, uh, what I think Paul is referring to, actually, in the Philippians text when he talks about a crooked and depraved generation. Lewis paints a picture of what he calls Greytown. And uh, Greytown is a place apart from God where people can be their own gods. Where you can get whatever you want whenever you want it. That actually sounds kind of interesting, right? Well, in Greytown, everyone gets their own way and nobody gets along with each other. Everyone gets their way, nobody gets along, but that's okay because in Greytown, there is unlimited space for people to run to their own corners. And they do. So driven by fear and insecurity and contempt for each other, the people in Greytown move farther and farther and farther from each other until thousands and millions of miles separate them, each neighbor from each other. I mean, they're just completely out on their own. Now, it often feels to me like this same impulse is at work in our culture today. And it's not that we move physically distant from each other, but it seems that our own dark fears, amplified by you know, media echo chambers, um, encourage us to run to our own corners where we can be outraged by those who share our particular view of reality. And no matter what we're talking about, there's a corner that you can run to where you can be with people who agree with you, right? Um, any of you catch the coronation of King Charles yesterday? A little bit of that? Pretty amazing uh, pageantry. My wife's Canadian, so I, uh, she, she, uh, 
she saw her prime minister there, um, and and the, the uh, Canadian flag as part of the procession. And um, but we would disagree over some things probably when we were dating, especially. I would go up to visit her family, and we'd talk about. America and Canada, the, the U.S. and Canada, and, and the difference. And uh, boy, we could run to our own corners pretty quick on that one. I learned not to criticize the queen, who had the same birthday as my mother-in-law. But whatever view of reality you have, you'll find people that you can run to a corner with, as opposed to everyone else. And over the last few years, you know, if, 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 you're, if you don't like Anthony Fauci, there's a corner for you, right? Um, or if, if you believe um, all guns should be absolutely banned, there's a corner for you. Uh, or vice versa. Or if you harbor resentment toward a particular group of people, there's a corner for you. We are all people who have um, experienced over the last few years this impulse to run to our corners, even in the church. And so we understand when, when people that we love, people who are looking for hope in life, people who need to find a pathway forward that makes sense, people who are looking for a place to land, when they look at the church and say, I don't know that I want to run to those corners. Because sometimes the church has had their own corners, right? So what does it mean to shine like stars as we hold out the word of life? What does that mean? Well, let's dig a little deeper into this chapter of uh, Philippians chapter 2. If we go back a little bit to the uh, earlier part of the chapter, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. So, um, you remember the story two years ago, I think it was, 17-year-old Verda Teta who graduated from high school and she'd been accepted to Harvard University. She didn't grow up in a life of privilege. Her family was actually from Ghana and she at a grocery store, you know, trying to, 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 uh, to make her way through school. But during her high school graduation ceremony, Verda turned down a $40,000 scholarship that had been granted to her and asked that that money be used for someone heading to community college, someone who was going to need it more than she was going to need it. And I, I heard that story, and it just stuck in my head as think because I remember heading off to college, and I remember what forty thousand dollars could do. I still think of what forty thousand dollars could do, right? This was not an insignificant award that she had, and yet she knew that some of her classmates were from extremely economically challenged homes. She didn't look just to her own interests, but Verda considered her friends and others around her. And she gave up that gift, asking it to be directed toward others. Now, the media reported on this story widely. Why? 
because Verda displayed a different kind of star quality, didn't she? She really did. Philippians 2 verse 5 says that your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, with great power and privilege, right? That's what means to be the creator of the universe. Um, being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held tightly to, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Jesus humbled himself even to death on a cross. Friends, there's a lot of Greytown around us today. Um, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have run to our own corners oftentimes in life. This good and beautiful creation that God has provided for us is indeed broken. It's got fractures. It's in need of redemption. But here's the good news. Jesus invites us <clears throat> to be united with him. He invites us to embrace a new identity. An identity that begins at the cross. And that's what this whole chapter of Philippians is about. That Jesus invites us from the far corners of Greytown, wherever we have found ourselves, wherever we have run to, whatever identity we have embraced in Greytown, Jesus invites us to come and join him at the cross where we are united as his people at the foot of the cross. Now, <clears throat> you know, it's easy to say that. It's easy to proclaim the, the true gospel, that, that this is possible. It's more challenging to live it out. It's not easy to let go of the identities and the beliefs that we have embraced in some of these distant corners. It's hard to give it up. It's hard, it's hard to let go. Um, Colossians, <clears throat> another one of the, the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote, tells us that um, in chapter 2, verse 15, that Jesus on the cross disarmed the powers and the authorities. And I know that there are powers and authorities that continue to, to grip my heart, grip my mind today, because I can feel those powers and authorities sometimes working in me whenever I hear certain people talking, um, when, whenever I see certain flags waving, whenever I scroll a certain stories on the newsfeed on my iPhone, I can feel those powers and authorities luring me back into the corners that I would love to find my identity in. I don't know if any of you feel that, but Jesus calls us back from those corners, back from that identity and says, come to the cross, come to the cross where we will find our identity in him. And when we find our identity in him, all of those fractures and divisions begin to drop away. And we find ourselves as one people in him. You know, nobody likes living in Greytown. Greytown, if you read the book, The Great Divorce, you'll find that Greytown is actually hell. A lot of people you know, who have stepped away from the church today um, have done so because they see in some ways that the church has been part of the problem, not part of the solution. And honestly, 
I've served the church for almost 40 years, and I would have to say, yeah, that's not wrong. Sometimes the church is part of the problem, isn't it? That we get caught up in the wrong identities, that we have not understood our call to the cross in quite the way that maybe we should. And maybe it's because we get distracted with the wrong kind of stardom at times. You know, our, our, neighbors, <laughs> our neighbors are not looking for superstar pastors. Do you know that? They're not. Some church congregations are. Um, but the people around us aren't looking for superstars. They're not looking for churches that are building some awesome empire in some corner of Greytown. That's not what people are looking for today. They're looking for stars that shine with hope because they embody the life of Jesus. In Galatians 2, the Apostle Paul says, you know, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's the core of the gospel. That's the core of the good news. And so imagine the encouragement that comes when we let the crucified and risen Lord set us free from our various corners, when we let our crucified and risen Lord help us embrace a new identity that comes from being united with Him, letting go of those dark corners of Greytown, when we look not only to our own interests, but to the interests of each other, even those from very different corners. And it's not easy, and we won't always get it perfect. But my prayer for you is that we will invite the Holy Spirit to continue to form us with this star quality that comes from Jesus so that many will experience His love, His grace, His shalom. One of my, our, our, our favorite movie, <laughs> it's going to date us, um, one of our favorite movies is Jesus Christ Superstar, 1973, um, with Ted Neely and Yvonne Elliman playing Jesus and Mary. Um, we actually do have pictures with Ted Neely and Yvonne Elliman. Uh, and what I love about that version of the movie, or that version of Jesus' life, is that Jesus isn't the superstar that we would like to make him to be. His stardom shines on the cross as a servant, as one who came to give his life as a ransom for many. This isn't in the notes, but if you know that movie, one of the criticisms that was happening when I was young in the 1970s was that, you know, first of all, it was a rock and roll movie and it counterculture and, you know, my parents' generation hated it, which is probably why we liked it. Um, but at the end of the movie, the whole cast gets on this bus and drives away. And what you see is the cross. And what was not in the script and what the director didn't know 
is that at the end of that movie, as they're pulling away from the cross in the sunset, there's a shepherd leading, a Bedouin shepherd leading sheep across the foreground of the shot. And they in the shot because they looked at it as a divine kind of reminder that the one who was crucified is risen. So go rent the movie or watch it. But it's not about the movie. It's about the fact that Jesus is that kind of star who shines like the stars of the sky as he holds out the word of life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for um, who you are. For being a servant who came and gave yourself, who put others first. Uh, Lord, we, um, we are grateful because you have called us to shine like, like stars in the sky as well. And so, Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to continue to work in our own lives and in your church, I thank you, God, for New Life Wichita, which, which reflects, God, this kind of star quality of holding out life through service and lifting others up. I pray your blessing, God, on each of us today as we continue to have um, just an enduring faith to walk with you in a world that is broken, God, but a world that you are in the process of renewing and redeeming. And we pray that you would um, just sustain us. I too pray for Pastor Chad and for Shauna, Lord, that they would be renewed and uh, that you would guide them um, with your presence. And Lord, may we be uh, wonderfully surprised at how you continue to work uh, in our lives and through your church, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.